October last year. We're like, you know what, fuck it, we'll just quit. We're both out January. Oh, Graham's assistant reached out. Do you want to come down to Palo Alto for now? YC Davis at its core, helping us avoid mistakes. Let me get really good at programming so I can be the technical guy. What is up, everyone? I'm your host, Chris, and you're listening to Nonlinear, the podcast in which we uncover these strategies, hacks, and decisions, high-achieving young professionals using 2023 to design careers they love. In this episode, I speak with Finn and Emil, the founders of Kappa.ai. What's so special about the two of them? They decided in October to quit their jobs. They started working on the project in January. And somewhere between May and August, they met Paul Graham in his villa in Palo Alto to discuss their product. Finn and I studied in our undergrad together. And then he got to know Emil during his finance master at LSE. And then they even did the CS master at Imperial in London. So anyone who's into either YC startups or nonlinear slash tech careers, listen to this episode. It's freaking amazing. Let's dive right in. Hey, uh, Emil, super, super nice to welcome you here at Nonlinear. Yeah. Same for you, Finn. Hey, you guys just came back from YC like literally, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks ago. Yeah. I think we just wrapped up the summer batch here. Yeah, pretty much like mid-September, a month ago, as of recording with Kappa and like, I've just now co-worked with you a couple of days, like Finn and I obviously studied in our undergrad and you two know each other from Imperial, which you'll hopefully like tell us in the next 40 minutes. And like just co-working with you has already been type of, and so very inspiring, not only inspiring, but also from a utility perspective, like quite eye-opening. So like the mental models with which you operate and the, it's very, it's very little habit to put the, to, to, put one example out there it's like for instance a release early release often thing which you guys are just like for instance telling me over and over again and like do you would, would you just like to take us on a journey through your yc experience like whether you actually learned something or whether this is just something which you already did yeah that's a good question where to start um i think maybe to answer your question about the yc experience i think it might make sense to add a little bit of like just historical context where YC came into play for us. So essentially we both quit our jobs to start what became Kappa at the beginning of the year. Um, so about nine months ago or so. And just, you know, we can talk about the origins and so on, but essentially after four or five months I had the opportunity um, to go through YC with Kappa. Um, and in terms of, I think what YC gave us, I mean, there's so many, many ways to answer this, but I think at its core, it was just helping us avoid mistakes, right? Just like having a list of, hey, here are these like hundred ways you could essentially mess up at this stage, right? Before fundraising, you know, as you're talking to customers, as you're working through deals, like there's so many ways to mess up. And just having someone who's seen, I think by now, YC's had more like more than 4,000 companies go through just having like a checklist of like, hey, here are reasonable things you should be doing, right? Um, that was probably the most valuable thing we took away. You should be doing, doing or you shouldn't be doing? I think a mix of both, but probably the things we shouldn't be doing okay. are the most valuable. Which is like, for instance? I, th I think what we would have done is like we were in March, like in, in April, we yeah. were thinking about doing it. And I didn't want to do it initially. So my plan was, okay, you know what? Let's just raise money from a European fund. We have enough traction. And then I want to be the first team to have a lot of people behind this problem. And we would have probably, if we hadn't done YC, we would have raised like, like, I don't know, some amount of money, hired maybe five people immediately, 
at sort of a big team, mm. that would have been a big mistake. Yeah. Mm. Like in hindsight, it's great that we didn't do this. So what YC tells you is like, don't hire anyone unless you absolutely have to, because mm-hmm. you just add clutter, you add overhead. You don't know what the product's supposed to be yet. And then people, having people is, is bad. It's not good. So that's one thing we, for example, avoided by doing YC. Um, the concrete example. Yeah, awesome. Hey, before we like go even even, yeah. even deeper into all of this, let's, uh, maybe Emilio already did this for a second. Let's step back and like listen to uh, to the two of you, like explaining how you came up with the, with Kappa. Yeah. And like how you, for instance, I know some bits and pieces here and there with like coming up with a list of like 10 ideas, cutting them down in one week, executing, I don't know, maybe from the beginning, the top three or something, yeah. seeing what sticks, like what's the, how did you start at the beginning of this year? So I think we started a little earlier. Like mm-hmm. I think for the last six months before that, so like now a year and a half ago or so, like we were like, okay, let's quit our jobs. We want to do something. That was always kind of what we wanted to do. Um, but I, and I think you as well had at the time still added to, okay, I want something safe before I actually leave. Like, okay, I need to have the next thing ready. So it's like a smooth transition. Mm. And then we tried for like six months, like on the side, well, you have a job. Okay. Come up with something, some type of thing. I think in hindsight, that just doesn't work. Mm. Like you need to like the create some urgency and have like full time to make something happen. Like on the side, it just doesn't. And then I think in October last year, we're like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll just quit. Mm-hmm. We're both out basically first of January. Mm. We'll just start from nothing. And then let's see what happens. We'll give ourselves nine months. I think that's what we said uh, of time to figure something out. Yeah. And that does work. Like once you quit and you have like nothing, you have to make it work. You can, I think. Yeah. I mean, what's beautiful. Uh, what did yeah. you want to add? I mean, no, I think there's, there's definitely like that insight. I wish I had internalized earlier because I think that would have changed how I'd spent the last two, three years. But I definitely walked around with this romantic idea. It's like, oh, you only quit and you have some like recurring revenue. You have some traction. Like, again, you have the safe bet. Mm. But like, you know. Yeah. Like a first, I wanted like a first customer, I think. Yeah. Like, okay, we have this thing built and like somebody yeah. bought it. Okay, now I can do it full time. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, of course, what, like, what, what gave you like lots of trust, of course, the trust in each other, right? Because you did CS at Imperial like in 2000. I don't know. 18? 18. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was that gave, like, I think we're just kind of fed up with it too. It's like, it's, it's never going to work. I think it was like on a random call in like October. Mm. It's like, you know, fuck it, we'll just quit. I think you, you initially flirted with a date like 1st of December. Like, what happens? What if we just quit the 1st of December? And then for like practical reasons and whatever, it ended up being like the 1st of January. But like, it was just that like, oh, this is actually really concrete. Let's just set a date, mm-hmm. leave our jobs by this date. And, and then I think what happened was neither of us just kind of pulled out, <laughs> essentially. Neither of you pulled out, yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Uh, although you both, both of you were in kind of like very stable and very nice, not only stable, but also like cool, cool jobs, I guess, yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. Hey, and how did you then go about ideation? So let's just go back fully, fully 10 months or something. Yeah. And... Yeah, you're sitting there. I guess you're probably flying to Germany at this time. Or maybe yeah, I was mountain biking in Austria one time. Mm. I think there we were like the beginning and then worked like for a week there. Mm. And then I think we did like like a, like a call a week or something like that. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Right. He works like 80 hours. I work whatever. 
But how did nice. you then like go about it? Okay, so you pull so your thing, you quit, you're out of the jobs, you're meeting up. Yeah. You're we met just fifteenth of January. We just met, so you flew there for two weeks, um, and we were like we actually bought a whiteboard like the first morning. Nice. Just yeah. got into my apartment, and then we did basically for like six months, like until YC. Mm -hmm. So like he came first two weeks, slept on my couch, I then slept on his couch, and we did that floor. like. You slept on the floor, actually. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like two weeks, two weeks. Um, and we had an, I, I think we had one idea before we were evaluating, which. It's a pretty terrible wasn't idea. Wasn't that in awesome. Yeah. Um, some like developer productivity measurement thing. Well, like, you get a lot of engineering managers excited to talk about it, but mm. like. And how did you then like. From what I understood, and please correct me, like from this tale which I had in my head, that you had on the on your whiteboard, you had like ten ideas, then you cut it down to three, and you were super pragmatic yeah. about it. I don't think we had ten. I think we I think it was three a little or four. bit. Yeah. I think it was a little bit less structured than that. Mm. Like we have one friend that runs a like a computer vision company, mm -hmm. um, and he pinged me like in January saying like, "Hey, how about you make something like what we're making now? Like mm -hmm. that will be a good idea, mm -hmm. just to have something like, hey." My developers get a lot of questions from our community, which they spend time answering. Can we not like automatically answer them? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh. I was a little bit skeptical. I was like, mm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's going to hallucinate. Probably not going to be. Um, but that's where the idea came from. And then we had that. And then you convinced me to do it basically Yeah. for two weeks. And then we, we just made an MVP of it to try it out if it worked for like a couple of days. And then you just sold a pilot to Airbyte. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So we didn't actually have, we had like a POC kind of like hack together thing that wasn't like you couldn't really use. Mm -hmm. And then he just sold it to them for arguably not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's like 250 bucks a month. But like still, <laughs> that was like one a really nice moment. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, I was, I was on the plane and he had like a really late call because of time zone. Right. Mm. And I got there. It's like, yes, I sold it. That was really nice. Yeah. Um, and then we had, we told him like, okay, you can have it on Monday. I think it was Tuesday. Yeah. And then we spent like six days basically cobbling together an MVP mm -hmm. that worked and then deployed it on the Monday. Mm -hmm. How big is Airbyte? I think it's about 200 or so folks, but they had a really good use case, right? So essentially, I mean, they still do. Um, they have this primarily like large open source free audience, right? So they have, you know, tens of thousands of people trying to use their software. They're all in this big Slack community, right? You know, their team is super constrained, right? There's only so much they can actually do um, to answer questions coming in. Um, so they just had this like really big burning like pain of, hey, can you help us scale support in any way possible, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, we're willing to try almost like anything at this point to do so, mm -hmm. um, which is, I, to be honest, that was just a lucky streak of like us getting in touch with the right people at the right time. But like that matchup was essentially why I think those folks were willing to kind of take a bit of a chance on, mm -hmm. you know, at the time, which was, you know, in essence, nothing but like some paper mock-ups and some ideas mm -hmm. and so on. Um, but yeah, that's essentially it. And totally agree. I think that's still like one of the highlights, like just initially having like, overall, oh, there's, that was there's awesome. just, like, yeah. oh my God, we've been trying to sell software for so long, like, yeah. you know, on the side and so on. Like now we did it. It's like, yeah. also, holy shit. Now we have six days to actually like deliver and build a production system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like the first time, like 
like I've we've, I've tried to do so many side hustles that never like amounted to anything. And then when you sell something for the first time, like that was fucking. It was not that's two hundred fifty bucks, not a lot, but it was awesome. That's really nice because it clicks, right? If you can sell it once, yeah, you can probably sell it again. Mm -hmm. But then you do have to go. Okay, I actually need to sell it like a couple more times to make sure this is like a systemic thing, mm -hmm. yes. not like one off. Yeah, but I mean, what was the time to sell? Like from idea to money, it it like it I mean, sounds yeah. like it took like a week. Uh, I mean, like uh, there's one thing which is like they agree to pay and then they actually pay. Mm. It takes some time. Mm. Yeah. How does what does Paul Graham say? Ah, uh, oh. <laughs> birds fly, <laughs> fish swim, and deals falls through. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. happened a couple of times. Yeah, that's yeah. happened. Yeah. 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 Hey, okay, amazing. Um, so I mean, we could now go into this story of the first sale. I think we already got got yeah. the essence of it. Super amazing. Let's now jump forward a bit into the face of you guys actually feeling momentum. Like I remember this one call, which we had Finn, I don't know when it was, was it in April, March or April. And you called yeah. me, you were just coming off a call with a top, like top fund, which we've basically like a couple of years ago, we were like, oh, yeah. oh they're so amazing. And now you were just like, yo bro, they're all ringing me. Like it's my phone yeah. is not stopping to buzz more or less. That's one thing. Like that's another mistake we made in the beginning, mm. which I didn't want to like admit. I was like, hey, it's like you're not supposed to talk to any VCs if you're not actually raising money. Mm. Like don't do that. Mm. Like because you do feel like, like as soon as you flip your LinkedIn to like get whatever, doing something new, working on a startup, mm. like they all get automated messages. They start getting to your inbox and they want to talk to you. Yeah. This doesn't mean that they want to invest in you. They mainly just want to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like their, their job is to figure out like what's going on in the market and so on and like what are new trends so they want to talk to you and they want to talk to you now mm. don't do that it's just a distraction um you're not ready to pitch necessarily just like don't talk to vcs and even if it's just an informal coffee chat yeah it's not right like mm. they build themselves a yeah. picture of what you're doing um and you don't necessarily all talk to each other don't necessarily want that And it doesn't really get you anywhere, probably. No. Right? But yeah. I think the only thing what you probably do when you do this for the first time is like you're like a little flattered. Someone yeah, sends yeah, you sure. like a message, say, "Hey, very cool what you're doing. Like, yeah. you want to talk to? We we invest whatever, right?" Mm. So you're a little flattered, but just don't do that. Yeah, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. Hey, fast fast forward then from like April or something. I remember being you guys actually being in Berlin for a yeah. weekend. Yeah, I think yeah. You, you were in Berlin just to check the city out and see whether it could be a, a place to be interesting right. to, to hang out at. Yeah. And then you had your last final YC interviews, actually. Right? Yeah. This, this yeah. day, this evening. And you made it. And then there was the decision in the room for a second. Like, do we actually do it or do we not going to yeah. do it? Right? So I think that was what I talked about earlier. Like yeah. at that point, I was like, oh, we have too much traction for YC. I forget what it was, but we had like a couple of thousand of them are like, oh, that's too much already. Let's just mm. raise money and get people. And then like in hindsight, maybe that's lucky that that happened. But like that week, GitHub announced something. Copilot for Docs. Copilot for Docs, which is basically the same product that we were making. Mm. We we're like, oh my God, GitHub's going to crush us, mm. right? Like once it's released us, they release us, we're dead. Mm. And that was also not 
true. Mm-hmm. Like, but when you do this, you feel like, okay, some big incumbent in the market that's going to like kill you, right? And, oh my God, don't... they're owned by Microsoft. Microsoft's own right. OpenAI. They have a tight relationship. Like they're just going to conquer whatever the space is, right? Like, oh, let's talk to the few people we know kind of in the space. Like, oh my God, this is an extinction level event, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden you convince mm-hmm. yourselves like, wow, everything you've built for the last two, three months is like, just oh, you might as well throw out the window and pick up this other idea from the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, looking back, like for a lot of reasons, yeah. it's not actually like that doesn't yeah, like it's not necessarily a bad thing. Either. Like they actually never released anything that was half decent. But um, but because of that, we were kind of worried. We're like, oh, my God, like what if this kills us? Then then it would be good to be in YC because yeah. like what better like place could you have to pivot sure. if you had to than YC? Um, that's, I think, ultimately why we did that. Well, like at least for me, yeah. I, mean, I, I think you were much more bullish, bullish in yeah. see from the start. Yeah. I think but it was a great idea. It's like yeah. uh, I mean, it was awesome. Downside risk is limited. Right? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And it's yeah. like I think now we're we're maybe jumping ahead, but it's like I think you're probably a little bit like me in, in this case. Yeah, you've been yeah, drinking yeah, the YC Kool Aid for so long, sure. right? You've read all these PGSAs. You've like you know yeah. done startup school. You've you've gone through this whole like rabbit hole, right? And then like oh now you get the chance to actually attend this stuff. You're starting, and it's like. It's pretty much what you expect it to be. It's all like all this content, all this stuff. It's very genuine. It's very good. Like, yeah, this this would then be the next step to even go in there, yeah. right? Like, just take us through the through the experience of buying the plane ticket, sitting sure. in the plane, yeah, flying yeah. over, and then there's one or two highlights. I wanna I, I want you guys to tell <laughs> us, yeah. but let's yeah. not let's not uh, get ahead of ourselves here. Maybe for like what the actual like. Just to clear what the actual format of it is, it's mm. like three months in yeah. San Francisco, and then you support like you're supposed to come there. You don't necessarily have to, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you like a partner basically in the YC fund picks you to attend from all the interviews they do, and then they're sort of responsible for you. Mm-hmm. So you meet with them every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So you just work from your like accommodation in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and then you. Uh, have a meeting with them every two weeks, mm-hmm. just like set goals for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you have one group meeting that's also every two weeks with like a smaller part of other companies and like mm-hmm. they are partners all together. Mm-hmm. Sort of like to hold everyone accountable to mm-hmm. their goals. But that's the, and then there's events usually on Tuesdays, just like uh, there's food and then there's um, essentially very successful former YC founders come there and have do a talk or you chat to them. Um, it and sounds then, a bit like a welcome week at uni or something. Or it actually is. Yeah. It's not that you're there like every day. It's more that you're at home and then you come in like three times a week. It's it's ninety eight percent of the time just still sitting in front of your computer and working, yeah. and then with like some cool stuff sprinkled in between. Yeah. That is actually kind of yeah. a bit of a forcing function for like having a goal and working towards it mm-hmm. and so on. But I guess you're going to mention the intro, right? Yeah. But it's mainly yeah. you're mainly working. Yeah, and then you can get some advice if you want. And you get, and they set, help you set some goals. Um, and then there's a bunch of resources you can use and you have to network and everything. There's events. So, mm-hmm. and then at the end, usually towards, there's like a demo day at the end. And then before demo day, everybody starts to raise money. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you close on most people try to raise money. Yeah. Not everyone. Yeah. Cool. Hey, and maybe also in like a, a three to five sentence explanation from the two of you, what Kappa does. I will also cut it in the intro, but I think now is a good time to explain yeah. it before we go into the fundraising yeah, and everything yeah. discussion. That would have been smart, yeah. Sure. Happy to give the quick intro to what Kappa yeah. actually does. 
in essence, what we do is we help developer-facing companies make it super easy to deploy support and onboarding bots. Um, so think of companies like Next.js, Airbyte, even OpenAI themselves. They will have deployed their own version of Kappa, which essentially knows about all of their like all of their technical knowledge, their documentation, previous support replies, and then we expose sort of a very constrained large language model to their users that they can ask questions to, you know, to help instant or basically instantly unblock them whenever they have technical questions. Yeah, yeah. sort of like the the one-liners. Basically, instead of having to read the documentation, you can just ask it, ask an interface like ChatGPT. Yeah. Um, it's just a more natural way instead of looking through hundreds of pages of docs. Yeah, yeah, cool. Hey, and then NYC. So let's 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 now. I, th I think we all understood the context or the the setup now. Yeah. And how is it more or less happening? And like, what's happening in those? So so for instance, one what's happening in those sessions, which you then have three times a week, is like one thing. And this was, I think, the very first question with the, with, with which we started the session yeah. was like, you guys are dropping super super valuable pieces, behavioral nuggets even, which for instance is like one of the set super ambitious goals for like two weeks, one metric, laser focus on this, yeah. one thing, execute towards it, and then um yeah, and then iterate and then see where you're going, right? And like what are like how is the yeah. what more of those hacks are there? Maybe hacks, I don't know whether it's a hack or a strategy, and how is this in the setup and how how is this actually put into practice at YC? Like who sits in front of you and actually challenges you? Yeah, um, I think we could probably tell some stories to make this concrete. Um, for us, a lot of the time, the main challenger, so in these group office hours was, was you know, a wonderful guy, Michael Siebel, mm. one of the Twitch founders who usually got on our back for focusing on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. The main point, um, he was very good at, I think, making us think about is, hey, at the end of the day, this business works, you know, only if you're able to scale Kappa up to serve large customers, right? Why are you thinking about X, Y, and Z when you could just be laser focused, you know, on these specific customers? If you have some idea that Kappa needs to be able to work for a Stripe in two, three years, why don't you just go figure out how to sell to Stripe today? Why don't you go figure out exactly what this company needs today and then begin thinking about how you move your product in that direction? Because I think what very quickly happens when you try to build something is you also end up creating a lot of work for yourself. You very quickly like create a job and you have all these things you can fill your day with that you know feels like real work, but it's not actually moving you towards like the one thing that matters for your company, right? That's like a B2C startup. It might be, you know, number of subscribers or viewers. That's a B2B startup. But Kappa, chances are that's, at the end of the day, revenue, mm -hmm. right? So just like, at least for me, I'm sure you can, you know, add on to this, Finn, but, but just mm -hmm. having that like clear laser focus, <clears throat> at the end of the day, you're probably just solving for one thing. What can you do to move that one number? Mm -hmm. I think for us, they adjusted a little bit what the goal was. So I think we came in, we were very focused on just like, like absolute revenue. Um, and the first session you said like your demo day goal. So you set yourself mm -hmm. with your partner, you set a four month, essentially a three month goal, you're supposed to work towards. Mm -hmm. And then for, I think my initial one was like, okay, let's try and set some like kind of outrageous, just pure revenue target. Mm -hmm. And then our partner was like, hey, like this doesn't actually matter to you. Like they, they pointed to, to us as like, what 
so you're in the enterprise sales game. Like you, you have to make your, your market size is like, it has to be to like big enterprises for this to ever work real. Right. So what's much more important for you is like average deal size compared to like just pure revenue. So we were just hammering out contracts like left and right for like not a lot of money. Um, but you make revenue go up. Right. But that is to her was like, Hey, then you've demonstrated, you can sell this. You can obviously you're pretty good at operating this, but like you need to prove that you can make really big contracts. Mm-hmm. And that became our demo day goal as well. It's like, okay. And then every week they hold you to it. Did you sign a six figure deal? Did you sign a six figure deal like that? Nice. That was the process for us. More so basically in the QP uh, equation, like Q uh, quantity times price, yeah. you were saying, okay, yeah. let's not focus on the quantity that's fully yeah. gone price. Yeah. Because okay. like we've proven that we can sell it. So that's out of the question now, mm-hmm. but you've not proven that you can sell it for a lot. Mm-hmm. That was it for us. Nice. Yeah. And then did this, did, did the schedule like, or did it ever shift and did they like challenge you in crazy insightful ways or was it like, okay, basically we had the two weeks firing once or twice now, and now we actually know what's happening. I think maybe one interesting, interesting thing is like, they've really like got this whole like three month timeline down to a science, right? Because every mm. time you show up to these, now in this case, like the one-to-ones, right? The, mm. the, the, once you have your partner, that's very personalized. But with the group office hours, they kind of build up towards, you know, raising around or towards demo day because there's almost like a different discussion topic mm-hmm. for each of these sessions. Mm. You know, in the beginning, it's like, how do you actually frame the problem you're solving, right? How do you deem it's valuable? How do you get like a really nice two-sentence description now for what you're building? Mm-hmm. You know, like next thing, and you come back two weeks later, it's like, what is actually the insight that you guys have had? towards like building your company. The mm-hmm. famed example they use, I think, is Airbnb, right? Like Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia's insight early on was that, hey, to make Airbnb work, you need payments, right? Mm-hmm. Counterintuitive, you think you just need like a marketplace for listings, but it turns out it's really awkward if you have to like transact money. Mm-hmm. But if you implement payments as part of the platform, it becomes way more frictionless and no one else had figured this out for a couple of years and that's how they gained a lot of traction early on. So then you'll have a section about insight and then it just kind of builds up and you layer up like more and more until you kind of have these big discussion topics down, which is essentially what you kind of need to piece together when you go fundraise later down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to add something to this? Um, I think to your question, like the overall quest we got basically remained the same. Mm-hmm. Just like, but like then obviously every week you have some sort of sub questions to that. It's like, okay, you're trying to, okay, I don't know, first week, okay, now we need to reach out to um, only companies with more than a thousand employees, which we hadn't figured, like, focused on before. Mm-hmm. So then you have some questions, like, you just talk with your partner, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have some calls, mm-hmm. like, okay, how do you navigate enterprise sales? Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you have some sub questions, but the overall yeah. thing mm-hmm. for us was okay, it was the same. Um, yeah. Nice. Two two follow-ups for this. Like maybe one quick one because we could get lost in this, particularly for Emil. Like you've done all of the startup stuff before, startup school, yeah. YC stuff. I don't know about you, Finn. I did not actually. Yeah. No. So you've done all of the startup school stuff basically before now finally getting into the real startup world, like penetrating this bubble of like, oh, I'm thinking of stuff, I'm doing online courses like after my job and or sure. on the weekends. Yeah. Like, what's the difference between these startup school programs or what's the different experience between doing the stuff online and basically on paper at home versus being there in real life? You know, like, is the startup school schedule actually 
spot on and you basically did the same exercises or was it in some some respect different um do you know what very, i mean yeah i know what you, i think it's it's so it's, it's a good question it's very different because when you go through something like yc it's often because you actually have a business or an idea you're working on whereas at least before you know with all of these mm. exercises or like watching some you know yc youtube videos it's all like hypothetical stuff mm. right which mm. is cool it's entertaining you like again hearing stories and i'm sure all this stuff's helpful but at the end of the day like the only thing you care about with advice is can this help me right now mm -hmm. um yeah i think does that answer your question yeah kind of it's like i um i thought maybe like my hypothesis was yeah. that like the stickiness and the importance of the whatever they're saying is like 10 you're 10x more sensitive yeah. than if you watch it online because we've all built side project yeah. side projects and i've also like worked on a side project and watched the startup school but what i've realized through mentors like real life mentoring is that like when I, when a real life mentor told me one thing is very important i take it like 10x as serious mm -hmm. as like when listening to it in an online course it probably sinks in different if they tell you to your face, right? Yeah. This is the same people, but yeah. like, uh, and the content I think is like, I didn't watch a ton of it before, but it's pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. So they do like talk, like ad hoc talks all the time and they sound like YouTube videos. Yeah. But if you sit with them one-on-one -on -one and they tell you like, Hey, this is gonna, this is gonna fuck you. You're like, Oh shit. Right. You pay yeah. more attention to it then. Yeah. Hey, okay. Awesome guys. Ah, no, actually one more question. Like how helpful was the community check-ins? Uh, like at, 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 U, at uni, for instance, yeah. or when, when we're now working like this every once in a while, when we're sometimes in, in similar cities, on the same city, on yeah. a similar city, and uh, we kind of have this hacker house set up, right? Like some people work in different corners and different ideas. And this is like ultra helpful, at least to me. Um, this, is, this is a total game changer. Like how was this at, at YC? Thing is you don't do that there. Really, mm. like you meet people like at the events and so on, but you don't work together. Mm. Like you work in your own house. That's actually interesting. But that's one thing they like. They said they don't like. Like when Michael Siebel said that he doesn't like that. It's like co-working spaces. It's like you get too caught up with what other people are doing, mm. and if you're just by yourself in your own house, you can create like your own like insane bubble. Mm -hmm. um, and I do buy this now. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, makes sense. I just call it. So you're yeah. kicking me out now. But it's cool that you have like all the people around you doing the exact same thing. So yeah. you have like some camaraderie basically. And yeah. I think for some other, depending on what business you're doing, you can also get other, sell it to the others. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that used to be a pretty big thing of mm -hmm. YC is like, okay, mm -hmm. you create something and there's well, 100 companies you could try and give it to. Yeah. For us, it didn't really make sense, but. Um, uh, for the cap table startups and stuff, it's it's like it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, there's like Stripe. I think is also the famous example uh -huh. with like the Carlos installation where Patrick would go and like, you want to use Stripe? Cool. Just give me your computer and I'll install it for a second, uh -huh. right? Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work super well for Kappa. Yeah. 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 We did we did like one or two, but like they always been too small. <laughs> <laughs> I like five requests today. Hey, um, okay, guys. So you're like. Fully, fully into YC. The program is running. What's what are like what what's happening there? What are some of the some of the highlights? We did get one email in the morning, that was kind of interesting. Um, Paul Graham's assistant reached out mm -hmm. at some point, um, saying like, "Hey, Paul's in town, mm -hmm. um, and he wants a quick chat." 
you want to come down to his backyard in Palo Alto for an afternoon and just like just have an office hour with him and I think by this point I had to explain to you partly who this man was <laughs> that's <laughs> because that's hilarious yeah. and I guess for, for context here for, for your listeners to a founder of sort of YC really the you know I think the guy who wrote and produced a lot of the content and the thoughts and this whole idea of like making bets on like founders that are super, super early, traditionally much more early than, you know, your, your average like seed fund would go in uh, and so on. So it was super cool. So got in a cab and then I rode down to Palo Alto and sat in his backyard for an afternoon and listened to him get super excited about what we were building and left there like with yeah, like was those enthusiasm cool, yeah. levels. At, at was fun. Like, did he know what Kappa was about or were you like, no? Well, I think what he does is like, he's retired. He used to do this all the time, right? Like the early batches of YC, he was like your good partner. Mm -hmm. And then he, I don't know when he retired, like a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, so now he comes like a few days, every batch gives like a talk and then asks like the group partners who he should like talk to. Mm -hmm. And then they give him like a list of five or six or whatever. Yeah. And you can come down to his house. That's okay. cool. Yeah. Nice. But uh, so he had no idea what we were doing. What did you drink at his place? He didn't offer us anything. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have anything. Then, by the way, I think yeah. you can move a bit over with this camera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he didn't offer you any drinks, no? Maybe he did. I forget. I don't think I drank anything. Did he have a cute dog or something? I had some kids like okay. running around playing with toys. <laughs> so yeah. I was also wondering, okay, what's this house going to be like? Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> like infinite money, right? Like, <laughs> it's going to be crazy house. It, it was just a nice normal house, like uh, like. Children's toys everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there anything special about his thoughts? Like we've read the essays. You've read. I've read Hackers and Painters. Like yeah. your book. I've actually read it on your balcony once. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get me to read it. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, man, these articles yeah. are so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think like he's he's like known for being very uh, enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. So like he doesn't know what you're doing. And he mm -hmm. explains, mm -hmm. and then he. It's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And then he gets himself more and more into your idea and like starts reasoning about it mm. and gets really excited. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, he's like more excited than you are about it. And he's so good at like reasoning and like so convincing that you sit there like, yes, amazing. Right. So he explains to you or you think why it's going to work. Yeah. And like, there's some gaps in there and stuff like, right. But you should know, <laughs> but you like gloss over it because it's, he's so good at it. Yeah. And you leave, you're like very energized. It's like great. It's like a, It's uh, it's very encouraging. You're like, yes, fuck, this is gonna be massive. Um, yeah, we changed actually our pitch deck based on it. So he did like a, oh, well, he calculated like the potential market for it. It's like came out to be like sixty billion dollars. Was it like genius how he calculated it? Or really no, like because like... I think we then went and did the math and then ran it by our group partner later that week, and she just caught like massive holes in the reasoning logic, like all of a sudden the numbers did not have anymore. But it was still um, it was still a step in the right direction. But he's like insanely convincing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like like if he says if he makes an argument of a startup why something like works or not, like you go like, yes. Of mm -hmm. course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reminds reminds me a bit for anyone who read the G Steve Jobs biography, like the reality distortion field which people describe about him. Do you know it? Have you read yeah. it? Yeah. 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 yeah it could could be or sounds very similar. Hey, he's a like genuinely super nice guy. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Yeah, it's like, I, I mean, when you called me or you texted me that you spoke to him, like yeah. I ran around and like had to tell everyone I couldn't stop. Like it sounded <laughs> to me, it was like the pinnacle of, of, of yeah, yeah. Of 
startup life basically right um yeah um before we maybe like go move on with the fundraising process of how this was like anything else i think you met Emmett here from from twitch also that was cool too yeah yeah very sharp yeah he's very sharp i mean you always tell the twitch anecdote like the the what twitch optimized for during did they actually go through yc Yes. So I think initially Justin TV went through YC and then what happened was they realized, right? Like Justin TV was essentially, how can you, you know, like put a camera on a guy's face, like Justin mm -hmm. wants to be a celebrity and stream his life 24 seven. And it turns out to do that, you have to build some really like hardcore live streaming infrastructure. And then I think they hit a point um, where they're like, actually, maybe this is the best business idea. Let's try to split this into like some different bets. And I think Emmett's bet was trying to figure this out for gaming mm -hmm. streaming that became Twitch. I think Michael Siebel ran off and built what became Social Cam, which was more like a, like a social way of walking around mm -hmm. and kind of streaming. Um, so they went initially through. I guess to answer your mm -hmm. question. Yeah. Uh, what year was that? I want to say 2011. Hello? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. I mean, my flatmate is a Twitch streamer, so I have to be yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the lore. Minimum amount of interest in Twitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I really like it. Yeah. Let's dive into like. I'd like to cover two more topics before we then maybe also go into a slow wrap up or also personal story side. Yeah. Um, let's go into fundraising though. Like how, what playbook did you follow or is there a playbook you followed? Like this, the sweet thing here again is like that Finn didn't have touch points with the startup space before, right? Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. you were kind of like, at least, I didn't know. I from don't a, from know. a very outside end. Yeah. yeah. So like you got the best practice basically downloaded in your head. And like, what algo did you use to, to, to execute this then? With YC is like, for fun, like, okay, like there's so many intangible, great things about it. Like, but the very tangible one that it absolutely has with fundraising. Mm. So like, it's, there's, I don't think there's an easier place in the world to raise a seed round, a seed round than YC. Mm -hmm. Like that's, and they do give you, they just tell you how to do it. Like it's basically, um, like two weeks before or like three weeks before demo day open up your calendar, this is where you're going to fundraise. Mm -hmm. So as you're in YC, like funds, all the seed funds reach out to you. Like you get constantly like messages. Mm -hmm. Assuming you launch. Ex assuming you launch, right? So you need to obviously be public mm -hmm. and then you start getting people interested like, mm -hmm. uh, and investing in you or like talking to you. And then you don't talk to them. Mm -hmm. You schedule calls with them the last two weeks of YC. Mm -hmm. so you say like, hey, here's our calendar. Mm -hmm. You can book yourself a meeting. Mm. We will not talk to you before that. Mm. And they all try and make you talk to them before that. And like, this could also be like, we can also cut this out if this is too, too private or confidential now. Like what, when I, when I was at launch house in New York, like yeah. what they told us, the playbook they gave us was like tiering the investors, right? So you start with lower tier and then you kind of go up yeah. a tier mix it a bit a up. A little bit like, a little bit like this, but um, also like, don't like, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it too much, mm -hmm. but like, don't try to, I mean, we, for example, we only talked to funds where we had a good reputation mm -hmm. and we didn't, there's so many bad ones, right? Like to these, you don't even want to talk. Why? What's a bad reputation for a fund? Uh, it just like a lot of it is about how do you interact with you? Mm -hmm. Like just kind of bad practices. Like they burn founders. They don't show up to meetings. Mm -hmm. They break term sheets in the worst of cases. And yeah. maybe that's a really interesting nugget. So that's good. Yeah. Right. One of the tangible things you get out of YC mm -hmm. is you get access to the investor database. 
Now, what, so one of the tangible benefits of being part of YC mm -hmm. is you get access to the investor database. Mm -hmm. Now, what this essentially is, right, it's YC founder only um, forum where you're encouraged to rate and review all mm -hmm. investors, mm -hmm. right? Um, provide comments all anonymously done that you've interacted with or invested with. So think of it like almost like a Yelp for investors, mm -hmm. right? Insanely helpful yeah. mm -hmm. because it just aligns incentives all of a sudden instead of, you know, a founder, first time founder like Finn and I are. Going up against like an experienced seasoned negotiator seed investor, mm. now you at least have some some way of leveling the playing field, right? Since all these guys talk together, well, guess what? All the founders are also talking together. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, For example, we only like I only scheduled calls with uh, investors that had a good rating. Like mm -hmm. everyone that had like bad rating, oh, like wow. immediately no. Oh wow! And that's that's a bit of a privilege we do in YC because there's such a big flow of like essentially investor inbound. You get you can be picky. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but then what you do is like what you already alluded to is like you do some tiering, but the tiering we did was more in terms of like angels and seed funds. Mm -hmm. So we tried to essentially line up some angels before we even talk to all of any of the funds mm -hmm. so that you already come with momentum into the investor discussions. Mm -hmm. So we, we essentially scheduled all investor calls in one week. Mm -hmm. Um, in August, I think it was like 45 calls with 45 funds mm -hmm. in one week. Mm -hmm. And then the week before we just gathered angel investors. Mm -hmm. So just like some of our customers, um, some researchers, we know mm -hmm. some like CEOs within the AI space that are like, we would like to have. Mm -hmm. So I think in total, we like gathered together like 10 or 15. 10 angels, something like that, yeah. something like that. And then you come with that momentum into like the week of talking to funds mm -hmm. where also you want to go like the very YC friendly first and like the others a little bit later, mm -hmm. uh, but you go like, Hey, we already have like, whatever, what it was like 25% of the round that we're trying to raise already closed. Mm -hmm. And then that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. So let's then slowly go into the last part of the podcast. I mean, one of the parts, which why I also launched the series is, which is called nonlinear is because I'm fascinated by the stories of people. Like how do they get where they actually are and like, what did they experience? How did they iterate their way towards, towards the strategy? You two are, they have such a nice, uh, nice culture and nice setting. Like how did you, how did every single one of you become who you became and how did you then find each other in this setup? and decide to to go for it yeah and i mean i studied with finn in, in the yeah. undergrad so let's maybe start with you sure. because that's easy. i mean it is like it, it's pretty fitting for your podcast i think like because we have the same undergrad yeah we did the exact same thing for three years we both studied business in cologne and then like i didn't realize at the time why but i found finance really interesting like in hindsight okay it's it was because well, it's the most technical thing you can find within business so mm -hmm. that I gravitated towards. Mm -hmm. And then I did some banking internships, which I didn't enjoy at all, but I still found like finance kind of cool in terms of uh, like academics. And then I went to LSE where I met Emil. So we did like the MSc in finance in London. That was like a cool experience. Um, and there was so some like met each other at finance. Yeah, okay. we were in finance. Yeah, I had a very similar background to Ben before. Also, business undergrad, like thinking, oh, you know, finance is going to be the shit. Like, let's go to London, try to go down the banking right. path. Yeah, and then like I did enjoy kind of LSE. Mm -hmm. There was one cool, like it was one t 
like course I liked, which is financial engineering. Mm. That's the first time I ever wrote any code. Mm. Very bad code, right? Mm. But this was like <laughs> math and like some R programming. Mm. It's like a tiny bit. Mm. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Mm. But I did like one project there that was, and I liked that the most out of anything I've done to that point. And I was really struggling because like at LSE, they push it very hard. But essentially like LSE is like a, you buy a ticket to go to investment banking in London, like yeah. it's almost guaranteed. Yeah. Like they will get you into like an investment bank. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't want to. You had a hedge fund offer, right? I came a little later, but like, okay. like I didn't want to start for like, I, I signed up for like a JP Morgan internship. Like, and I hated that too. And, um, I mean, what did you say about the time at Goldman? It's horrible. I mean, it was, it's kind of interesting, but like, it's, but you once told me on your phone, like he just, you just broke up with your girlfriend and there was one particular phrase he said. What did he say? What, I forget what did I say. Working at Goldman is worse than breaking up with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that's a, that's a 21 year old thing to say, but like, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. No, that crushed me way harder than five years old. Goldman was just very stressful. Like they are like just, it's just very, it's horrible culture. People are very mean to you. You're like 21. You kind of shit at working and the people are just mean to you. I mean, story right. which we had with, with Yanis last week, which was super funny is how they taught him sales at BlackRock. Right. right. So they had this one hot phone and Yanis was super new at the company. Yeah. And then they kind of like forced him to pick up the phone and he had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> and had, like, this was very similar. I had a very similar thing. I think like I worked, I would did like a sales and training internship for Goldman Sachs in Frankfurt. And then I was there three days. I had no clue what's going on. Right. And then I, like they, they forced you to pick up the phone for like customers. And then some customers like had some question. I don't I forget what it was. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And the whole floor, like grown ass men, right. Go like, oh, there's like 30 people. I was like, what the fuck? It's <laughs> like so unnecessary. Like you're just bullying you kind of like mm. for no reason. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, whatever. But I don't let's, recommend doing an investment bank. That's not great. And it's also boring. Yeah. Let's go back to back to yeah. the real route. And actually, let's keep it uh, in parallel. This yeah, I really sure. like this. Like, how was how was the finance journey for you then? Yeah, I think it was also just a mistake from the beginning. To be Why honest. did you pick it, man? It's a million dollar <laughs> question. He has no financial understanding. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm not really. I don't find it exciting. That's a really good question. So I guess maybe some <laughs> some short background. I had kind of picked up coding a little bit in my undergrad, mm -hmm. not really because I was very really impressed with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like he, yeah, but only to build stuff. Mm -hmm. I find like building web apps and stuff. This gets me so much like, just personal joy, like mm -hmm. the creative act of doing it. Mm -hmm. And coding was just like a vehicle. Again, writing some crappy, crappy code. Um, but that kind of set me up to spend a summer in San Francisco, like after my undergrad to like work for some tiny tiny, tiny startup at the time. Mm -hmm. yeah, initially as a business guy, but then I quickly like friends with some engineers and like, hey, can I help out? And I actually, actually ended up spending the summer coding after my undergrad. And that was just like the most fun I've had. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I kind of dreaded already the fact that I had signed up for a finance degree in London because I knew deep down I should just mm -hmm. find a way to do more like building. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I came in. We met pretty early on. And I think yeah. I was still I was in this rosy glow, like, oh my God, you can build something on your computer. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, like the first interaction I had with him, I met him at like drinks at LC. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, oh yeah, I made this like AI web app something. And I was like, I had not written any code. I was so impressed. I was like, oh, this is the coolest. That's the only interesting thing I heard all day, basically. It was oh, wow. really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first interaction I had with him. 
Nice. It's interesting you remember yeah. that. But yeah, yeah it's a really jank, very jank like, has code now in hindsight again. Yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure, it was cool. Sure. What drink did you have? Gentile, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay. Uh, and then at some point, you, the two of you decide to go yeah. to Imperial. Yeah. I was very stressed like the whole year. It's like I didn't know what to do. Because like you're in this like finance bubble and there's like a very limited amount of things that are like illegible. It's like you can do investment banking, you can do sales, you can do sales, you can do trading, you can do structuring, you can do uh, try and work for the buy side. But it's like, it's like, it's like five or six things you could go into and none of them seemed appealing. Like mm -hmm. I tried a bunch of them mm -hmm. and I still signed up for like a summer internship afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, but before that already, I think we both were like, okay, I found out I like coding. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's, let's just sign up for computer science. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a degree you can do at Imperial where mm -hmm. you can kind of sneak in and do a master's <laughs> in computer science. Um, yeah. And I originally did it with the expectation of, Hey, I do find finance very interesting. I like financial engineering. This is cool. Um, but let me combine it with like computer science. So I want to do, I want to do like quant trading. Like I had this idea in my head of like, okay, I'm going to be a trader, but I'm not going to do it by hand. I'm just going to write some code. Like that's what I like high frequency or something like that. That's what I came in with. And then like gradually over time, like we did Imperial together and I actually lined something like that up for like a hedge fund afterwards. But at that point I was like, actually like, no, I like this a lot. I got into this a lot and I really want to do a company at some point. There's no point in me being like some opaque trader for like two years, uh, just to then have like zero convertible skills to make a company. So mm -hmm. let me just like try and get really good at programming. So like once we start something, I can be like the technical guy and also like lead some engineers. Mm -hmm. So and that was my thought. And I actually that exactly what happened. So that worked out pretty well. But I mean, credit where credit is too, because I remember that we were like, I think you had that offer. I mean, just to like, almost bump you up a bit. It's like one of the like most awesome quant trading jobs you can get going in as an like, you know, some hybrid engineer like investor. Um and I don't think at the time you had any of the other offers. No, I do I did have some low where I talked to my mom on the phone. It's like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like I did, I instead of that I took like a like a data science internship for Schlumberger. I know I like told a, a friend about like this. Like it's like a like an oil and gas company. They had like some yeah. research facility in Cambridge where I like was an intern. They did not do any good science. <laughs> and you called, like, called me on a train. You were very sad during this time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was having it. Like I was trying to get a graduate job basically as a mm -hmm. software engineer and I hadn't figured out anything good yet. And it's hard to come off just like one year of computer science to like find a good engineering job because like you're competing with all the undergrads and have like already a few internships in like three years. So I was struggling a bit. I did like 160, I think. No, I did 63 interviews. I remember you, Excel. Yeah. And then the, like, in, the, in the end, like I got a bunch of jobs. Like I, I got Amazon um, and then I joined Bloomberg in Frankfurt. Man, but and that's like, insane, right? So you have this offer of a quant trading firm in London. Top, top quant trading fund. Which yeah. is like, I don't know, salary-wise out of, out uh, of the... I, I have no idea how much it would have been. It was like 100, like, I forget. Yeah. But still, like actually what you studied and what you're talented at, you have an offer. And this would have been the, like actually the, the, the no-brainer path, right? Yeah. No-brainer path. But, but I didn't yeah. feel it or what? Like it must have been such a... No, such a I think like I wouldn't have been, like I talked to the guy. Yeah. And he was like, hey, you want to come on? Mm. And then 
I was like, yeah, but I only want to do quant trade. Like I only want to, I don't want to do any trading by hand. And he was like, yeah, let me see what I do with you. Mm. And I was like, ah, mm. I don't know. And um, like there, it's not like you do some really opaque stuff. You're not going to, you're going to be a trader. You're not going to be really good at writing any code. So like, if you want to do a company, like good luck, right? Like you don't have no skills. So I turned like, then I turned that down. I was like, yeah, which was such the right decision. Like and, it's not, yeah, maybe and, not obvious, but it was definitely. And how was it for Emil? That's a good question. This time. I think between that time, sort of after LSE, I think that summer I was at Bain mm. doing consulting, mm. kind of getting my feet wet into that. Not necessarily having this idea that like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go down the engineering path. I'm going to go down this path. Um, and yeah, this is, that's an okay time. Mm -hmm. And around that time, I, I sort of had in my mind, okay, I'll go back to Copenhagen where my girlfriend is. It's cool. Um, and then discovered that McKinsey had like a slightly more techie side, which kind of fit well with what I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. after Imperial, um, not wanting to go down like the full engineering path, uh, I went back to Copenhagen to do that and was at McKinsey for three years well, before I quit. Um, and we teamed up again and it's very easy to be critical of McKinsey. Mm. Very easy. Like there's a lot of corporate nonsense. I, I think you, every day. <laughs> you, you suffer from a lot of like, uh, damaged yeah. working practices that we have to kind of do, uh, we kind of have to go through now, but for what it's worth, I also think it's a, it's, it's a pretty good first job. Like it's, mm. you do learn some really valuable things you carry away. You mm. think it would have been better to be an engineer now? Yeah. I think Kappa would look different if we were both sort of engineers, engineers. I think Kappa would be more of a product-led company than it would be what it is today. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, by your personality, you're so, it seems that you're such a, you're so creative and so open thinking. You're a good designer for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, whatever, you kept a good part of being yourself, I think. Hey, uh, anyways, now, now wrapping it up, couple of, couple of, um, finalizing questions. Like, obviously you've, or th there were a couple of formative people, formative experience, formative choices. Um, is there any, any category, for instance, like people, environments or anything which you can already now pinpoint to, which was like decisive over the past three to five years for you? Like, for instance, what I'm thinking of to give you a hint. Yeah. Is I'm thinking of this uh, this founding friend which you mentioned who has the visual uh, computer vision company. Yeah, like he's probably been quite formative for the two of you. Like, are there any other like formative environments, formative people, experiences, decisions, anything you you would basically basically tell your past self to, man, take this serious, double down on this, or create mm. this? I mean, it's actually true because like he he studied with us and then he did entrepreneurs first and then that YC immediately. So he's like three years ahead of us. Um, but I was like, okay, like, because he did YC, I know about YC <laughs> and, uh, that's, and he also wrote his recommendation and so on. Mm -hmm. So we, we kind of doing the same thing he did. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But for anything me, else, yeah. like for instance, for Ariel in, in my podcast, it yeah. was like, um, writing essays about consumer social publishing then publishing those. And then kind of like increasing your luck surface area. Yeah. I think 
any habits, any like... Honestly, I think it can be boiled down to one thing, which was us finally having the guts to just quit and go for it. Yeah, that's fair. Just quit. Like if you, yeah. If go, you with want... your, go with your gut a little bit and then just do it. And don't be so worried about like the job or whatever. That doesn't actually matter. There's a zillion questions I could ask. I could, I could ask you now, but I think that's a beautiful closing. Yeah. Let's close on that. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Then enjoy. And Hey, is there anything Kappa needs or what is Kappa doing in the future? Like, is there anything you want to, 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 to shout out? Hmm. Would you like, would you like a six figure contract from Kappa AI? In that case, please reach out at Emil at Kappa.ai. Thanks for listening to Nonlinear. If you like the content, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify. Follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. That's at I am Krishi3. Three as the number and Krishi with S-C-H-I. Reach out on any of the platforms if you have comments, questions or just want to chat.